0: Through that process, through that transition and the maturation process, I realized, I recognized, Joshua, that I had become just a consumer of stuff, whether that was entertainment or whether that was food. I didn't worry about the wake that I left and what negative or otherwise impact it might have on whoever came after me. Through that maturation process, my eyes were opened to that, and I wanted to Be more involved in somebody who is creating than just somebody who's consuming. There's nothing wrong with consuming. I mean, I hope people consume my podcast. I hope people consume this podcast. I hope people consume your book, but I wasn't really a creator of anything apart from just going to work every day. And I decided that it was time for me to begin being intentional about that. That's where this love for reading began. And that love then led, as I said, to creating the podcast and Realizing that maybe my place in life is helping other people foster love for this, too.
1: Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility responsibility acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public personal challenge of your own. You're not alone and you don't have to wait for others. Jeff Brown, host of the Read to Lead podcast, has been reviewing leadership books, hundreds of them, and interviewing authors for years. I'm proud to say I'm one of the authors that he's interviewed. In this conversation, you'll get to hear how he started. It's a classic way that leadership projects start. He scratched an itch and kept going. If you're thinking about taking on a leadership project, I think you can learn from his experience. We talk a bunch about the value of leadership books, especially toward the end. He's very passionate about it. And Spoiler alert, this is the first of three episodes. The personal challenge that he takes on is not just something he's going to do, but he takes on a leadership role within his community. I have to brag here that he has interviewed and read hundreds of leadership authors and books, and only now is he actually taking on this leadership role. All those books may have been valuable for something, but for getting you to take on a leadership role and, and do leadership things, my book or maybe this podcast did the trick. We'll also hear the story about he and I running into each other virtually at a speaking event but I'll let you listen to that from him directly so here's Jeff. Well, I really want to talk about Alan Alda because I <laughs> I feel like he stands apart from like the typical podcast interviewee and for you to interview someone like that. I mean, I guess he wrote a book, so it's natural that you would interview him. But that's not necessarily the case that he would go out and do the tour or whatever. Mm. Did you grow up listening or uh, watching MASH like I did?
0: I, I did, yeah. One of my favorite shows. I remember watching the final episode with my family. Uh my wife, even earlier this year, had recorded a bunch of the episodes off of whatever channel the, the, the reruns are on now, and sort of binge watched a bunch of them. This was all before my opportunity to interview him came about. But uh but yeah, yeah, I grew up watching it and loving his his work since I was a kid.
1: Can I ask how it feels to Be a peer of his like to I mean, I feel like you've been doing this long enough and successful enough. And you've interviewed so many people and read so many books that you you talk to him as a peer, I I would think.
0: I guess I never really thought about it like that, but I like the way that sounds. Yeah, that's hard for me to wrap my head around. Honestly, Um, I think in my own mind, I don't think of myself as a peer of his. I guess maybe others on the outside looking in who have been so generous in, in sharing the episode, probably more so than any other interview I've ever done, may think of me that way, but I have trouble seeing myself that way, if that makes any sense.
1: Well, I was trying to think of a way to kind of introduce you and also put you like for people who, who haven't met you before to say like who you are. And I think that was it's like, I think this would establish you pretty well,
0: at least in their minds, if not in my own.
1: Yeah. Well, it's for the listeners, not for you. <laughs> right, right. You have a podcast called Read to Lead. And I met you, you interviewed me for my book. And yeah, so people who want to know who Jeff Brown is go to his podcast. So you you mainly do leadership books. Mm-hmm. You've been doing it for quite some time. Before that, you did a radio show or you did radio for a long time, not just one show. How did you decide to start doing a podcast on leadership books? It started back in early last decade.
0: I was in my early 30s at that time, uh, Joshua, and not a reader of too many books. In fact, uh, when I got out of school uh, the decade before that, um, I was like a I don't want to learn anymore. Uh, <laughs> school kind of taught me uh, or, or stripped for me the desire to want to learn for some reason. Uh, and so I spent the better part of my 20s doing anything but that. And, and then in my early 30s, I was fortunate enough to be in a place where I had a, a leader who brought and encouraged us to read business books in the workplace and brought them into the workplace and we ended up going from that to meeting formally on a weekly basis to talk about the the books we were reading together as a team, basically a, a you know an internal book club inside the the organization. And that's where my eyes were truly open to some pretty amazing authors, people like Jim Collins and Pat Lynchioni and John Maxwell uh, and others. And I just couldn't get enough of it. As I started to read more and more, I found that my career trajectory began not going hockey stick like, but it it began improving uh, dramatically in the sense that that because I was doing something that most of my colleagues weren't doing, investing in my own personal growth, then I was often the person tapped to lead certain projects or address uh, certain factions within the company on different projects because a lot of a lot of times of the reading that I was doing. And so um, that continues to this day. But it was about four and a half years ago on my way home from work one day when I was tracking my reading goals and counting up in the car on my way home from work the number of books I had read so far that year. Uh, This was in Late March, the number was like 10 or 12, something like that. And I remember thinking or actually saying out loud in the car, uh, gee, that's, that's like a book a week. And when I said that out loud to myself, my mind immediately went to podcast. I had been kicking around doing a podcast, but hadn't settled on what I would do a podcast about. And I realized my idea was right under my, right under my nose all, all along. I had thought about or thought of podcasts at that time as being typically weekly. I didn't listen to too many podcasts that weren't weekly at that time. So obviously there are some that aren't. But when I said that to myself, I thought there's my podcast idea I'm looking for. I'm already reading a book a week anyway. I've just proven that. I love reading. I can't get enough reading. I feel like more people need to be doing it uh, than are. And maybe I could, in my own small way, make a dent in that and bring more books to more people, help curate books for people, help them understand what they need to be paying attention to, and maybe even sort of in audio notes kind of form uh, for those who this is all they're all the reading they're going to do, quote unquote. Maybe I could bring to them the, the key insights and, and main ideas from those books in the meantime.
1: Now, you said something that I find intriguing, that before you started doing the podcast, you you were noticing that you were reading all these books and that was affecting your career and your life and it was improving it a lot. Mm. And one of the things that drove me to write my book was that a lot of the leadership books I saw, as I frame it, is they teach you about leadership, but not necessarily how to lead. Or the the analogy I've been using lately is it's the difference between learning how to make art and art appreciation or art history. But now you could measure the change. You could feel that you were improving. So I'm curious what, and presumably you're starting with the the best books at the beginning, Jim Collins Mm. and stuff like that. Can you talk about, am I going too far one way to say these books are just... About stuff that give you information, but not really. I mean, I'd like to give exercises, but how is it? How are they improving your life?
0: Well, for me, it was not just leadership books. And I tend to agree with you that a lot of leadership books are, are about how to lead. And, and the difference in your book is you, you go beyond that. And that was eye opening for me when I read your book. And so I don't think you're, you're off the mark uh, there, but around the time. I began seeing this impact. My career was was around the time that social media began to take off. So around 2006 2007, uh, just uh, two or three years after I began sort of really diving seriously into reading. And so I began making it a point knowing that or feeling, I should say, that that social media was going to impact a lot of industries, including my own. I made it a point to, to learn everything I could learn about social media, about Internet marketing, because I knew that as a leader in my company, I was going to have to wrap my head around those things. And so as I did that, and as I, as I got better about understanding how these integrate with what we're doing, I began being viewed as the de facto expert in the company on these areas. And so that's when I began getting invitations to, to speak to the sales force nationwide or to speak to operations directors nationwide on these various topics to help them learn and understand what I had been putting time in at the office learning about. There were things that all of our stations across the country needed to understand and grasp and, and grapple with, but there wasn't really anybody doing anything about it. And as as my direct supervisor began to see the effort I was putting into that and making sure that I was helping future-proof our radio station to the extent that I could, the word started spreading and, and, and I was asked to, to help other stations do the same.
1: Was that pre-podcast or as a result of the podcast?
0: That was there. that was pre-podcast. That was my my podcast didn't launch until about 2013, so this was about five or six years before that.
1: So this was as a result of you reading all these books and putting them the what you were reading into practice. Exactly that that was leading to you getting recognized for being above and beyond everybody else and asked to help others.
0: Yeah, and not just in my company, that began to spread outside the company locally, and I began being tapped to speak at various functions, to talk on these same topics, because I was viewed as somebody who was uh, quickly becoming an expert on them, and proof of that was the things that I was doing at the company I was doing at were working. They were having an impact.
1: Okay, after a while, it starts kicking in, you start getting recognition, you have opportunities to speak and things like that, and I presume that you like speaking, but at the beginning, I'm asking now because I'm thinking of listeners who are interested in leading, taking leadership roles, especially leadership in the area of the environment. And at the beginning, a lot of people think I'd like to do something, but I don't really know what. And now looking back, it's easy to say, oh, you know, Jeff did the thing that led to all this other stuff. But at the beginning, did you know that that would happen? And if you didn't, what motivated you to put your valuable time and attention into something that you didn't know that it would lead to anything?
0: Honestly, I didn't know. That my love for these topics, my love for reading was going to lead to this explosion, uh, for lack of a better word, in my career. It's just that as I began cracking open these books and something, again, I hadn't done at any time in my adult life. It was like a revelation to me, Joshua, when I first began diving into some of these books. I thought, wow, for, for about 20 bucks. I can learn from some pretty smart people. Why haven't I done this before and why aren't more people doing it? And that to me was the motivator. My mindset went from, thank goodness I don't have to learn anymore to, oh, my gosh, what was I thinking? Uh, here I have a chance to learn from people much smarter than me and much further down the path from me every single day, just, you know, in half hours or an hour of, of investment every day. And so to me, that was the motivator. Why not want to have a a learning mindset? Why not want to be a lifelong learner? Why not want to get up every day and be the kind of person who is working to improve themselves all the time? So to me, it was about personal growth and self improvement as much as anything else being being the motivator.
1: So that raises the question of why did not you do it earlier? But then the answer to that is probably you didn't read the books yet and you didn't know. (laughs)
0: Well I was self absorbed frankly I mean I spent the better part of my 20s only doing involving myself in things that um, brought me personal enjoyment and regardless of how that impacted anybody else uh, so it was a lot I was very much a, a consumer of you know entertainment driven uh, whether that's music or movies, more entertainment, magazine, things of that nature. Just what can I read about or, or, or do that just allows me to sit back and, and take it all in? And in my 30s, it's shifted from the more consumption. Let's feed my lizard brain dynamic to what if I instead use this time to make myself a better person rather than just consuming for consumption's sake?
1: I'm glad you're sharing this. I, and just to give you context, I'm envisioning. A typical listener of this podcast is someone who has a sense that they would like to do something in the environment, but, and they have something that's, that they want to do, but they're not, like you said, they're probably, I forget what you did you say self-absorbed yeah. More about entertainment and yourself? I think a lot of people in the area of the environment, they're thinking of comfort and convenience. Mm. They're not thinking of actually, they're not thinking, they're just, you know, choosing comfort and convenience without thinking about it. They have a sense of like, there's probably something there that I want to do. And you stumbled on the books, it sounds like. Did it unearth something that was already there? I
0: think so. I think it had laid dormant for uh, a decade or more. You know, I was initially introduced to some pretty awesome books and authors when I was around 20 years old. But I, I don't think I was – and I read them, but they didn't have the impact they would have 10, 12 years later. I think in large part because I hadn't matured yet to the point of appreciating books of that ilk. People like Zig Ziglar and Ogmandino. Ken Blanchard, folks like that. It wasn't until I was you know, in my early 30s that and, and they came at me again through a different leader, through a different mentor that I went, oh, my gosh, man, I've been missing out.
1: Did you mature and that made the books accessible or did the books mature you or it could probably cycle that led to both?
0: I think it was my maturity and having the, the good fortune to be led by a mentor who helped bring me away from some of that more self-absorbed type behavior and and how and thinking more like of, well, you know, what kind of legacy are, are you going to leave? Even though I was fairly young, uh, he got me thinking more about kind of what long term effects do my actions take and what am I doing that's you know changing the world for the better, not just how can I get something out of this?
1: Now, I see what sounds like a bit of a paradox. You were self-absorbed. And then you got stuff to make you a better person, but I feel like you also were doing something to share with the world. How do you go from self-absorbed to saying that's different when it's becoming a better person?
0: Yeah, good question. Yeah, for me, yeah, I began blogging around that same time, and so uh, one of the ways I wanted to share uh, that impact was through my writing, and so I started a blog around 2008 and began sharing. I was learning. I started doing book reviews at around that time and even did some, we probably can still find on the internet, some YouTube videos where I was reviewing books at my desk at work and just trying to help. Again, uh, this all predated the podcast, helping open other folks' eyes and minds to what was out there, the smart people who were sharing their insights relatively inexpensively, you know. I saw the statistics on reading and, and, and the number of those who pick up a book on any sort of regular basis. And, and you know this, the numbers are fairly abysmal. Uh, and a lot of it's, you know, fiction reading, not that there's anything wrong with reading fiction, but few people uh, pick up books anymore to, to learn all that much. Uh, the numbers are really small. And I just looked at that and thought, well, that used to be me. That's not me anymore. And I, I can't seem to get enough. Uh, what are some things I can do to make more people want to discover what I've discovered? And so that's that's where the
1: podcast started formulating. That's rings so true for me. For me, it was things like uh, what started as not avoiding packaged food mm. and avoiding flying, but transformed into discovering fruits and vegetables and loving the flavors and cooking and discovering community around here instead of trying to travel all over the world and having such joy and wanting to share with people. I'm glad Your podcast has been around a lot longer and I can't help, but I'm going to get myself in trouble here. But (laughs) you said that reading my book, opened your eyes, or you said that reading my book had an effect on you. And now you've read a lot of books. You have reviewed a lot of books. Anything you can say about mine that, what was the difference? Am I being too vain to ask?
0: Well, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's you, you really went out of your way to help readers take The next step, and that's apply what you're learning as you're learning it and and to understand actually how to how to do that in a tangible way, uh, which most books, frankly, don't do. And so I I guess if I were to boil it down to one thing, it would be that
1: I when I pass leadership sections of bookstores, I will pick out a couple books if I see ones that I haven't seen before. And I browse through and I say, is this book about leadership? Is this book teaching you to lead? And almost never do they have anything active in it. And when they do, it's usually. A few disjoint exercises here and there and not something that comprehensively works together. You've read a lot more than I have. Are there others that come to mind that are like that?
0: Yeah. The answer to that question is yes. Can I name them off the top? I had probably, probably not uh, without doing a little bit of research, but they are rare. I mean, probably I could count on in the 185 interviews that I've done for the podcast, probably only need a couple of hands, maybe even just one hand to count the number that do that.
1: Okay, so I can't be too far off when I say that there's just not these books on out there, which is really what motivated me. Yeah. And uh, actually, I come to think of it. uh, Akshay must have been the one who introduced us.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. I think you're right. Yes.
1: I think, you know, he is incredibly driven and his book is I think people can go to a site and order his book and get free versions now. You, You know more authors than I. I feel like He's going to be a New York Times bestseller. Like he's got that drive, and he's doing mm. everything. He can do you read that also? Do I see that? Is that what you said? I just feel like of all the people I've met, like he seems the most likely for his book to make it to a New York Times bestseller.
0: It, yeah, I, I totally agree. He definitely is a driven uh, person. Uh, one of the things that impressed me about him was just how just well put together everything was, uh, from the site to the things he supplied me with prior to the interview. It Just really seemed, and it's, of course, is I've watched some of his uh, YouTube videos. Uh, and speaking engagements as well. Just really, really polished and, and definitely, a, to echo what you said, definitely a, a driven a guy. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if he doesn't see that New York Times bestseller opportunity come to fruition eventually.
1: Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable, join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk, Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. And now I want to start switching over to the environment. I started alluding to it. Mm. And although I kind of also want to tell this anecdote about the last time we spoke, I was at the library in New York City. And you were probably at your home mm. and it was this crazy thing that happened. I don't know what it was like at your end, but for my end, it was like a really busy day and I got lost on my way to the library. And then at the library, it's hard to find the room and the room there was, I was supposed to go into the spill out room because I was, I should up late because I was lost. And I was like, oh man, I, I wasn't really in a good mood. And then the sound kept going off on your microphone. So for people listening there, uh, I went to my friend David Schreiner Kahn's event and Michael Schein's event at the New York Public Library. And when I walked in, you were projected on the screen like really big. And I was like, how do do you guys know each other? How did I meet you through each other? And then your sound kept going down and they kept asking, trying to get someone to come in and fix the sound. And while the sound was Mm -hmm. down for you, you put up your screen and put which put me up on (laughs) instead of having your face on the screen, you put your shared your screen instead. And suddenly I see David talking and behind David is me. Then and then after <laughs> your sound is back on her, after David's finished talking, the woman who organized the event, Helena, she's like, we should all do like we should learn from Jeff that we should become the person others follow. And I was like, that's my book. And then I said, I said, like, hey, that's my book. And you said, is that Josh? <laughs> and it was this really crazy event that went from like a terrible day for me to mm-hmm. being invited up. And now she's invited me to give a talk. It's going to be in, in January. I went to the most recent one that she had and I couldn't stay for the whole thing, but it was John Lee Dumas. Like I was talking to her and then he was right there. And so I was talking to him. And it was my first time actually meeting him. But I just told the whole story from my side. What was it? What was it your side? I mean, it must have been surprising.
0: Yeah, it definitely was an amazing coincidence, I guess, is the way I would put it. To, and I put you up on the screen because since my audio was going out and I thought, well, rather than people just you know staring at my face while they're fixing this, why don't I just you know, promote my show and put my... My latest episode up on the screen from my website, and it just happened to be you, and I had no idea you were there and in the audience when I did that. So when you spoke out and I realized you were there, I just thought, oh my gosh, what are the odds? You know, you happen to be the most recent interview I did, number one, and then number two, the fact that that you're actually sitting there in the room. So I was um, blown away. I think uh, Helena uh, or Helena rather is uh, is one of my clients. Uh, I'm helping her launch. Uh, podcast, and I was uh, near there uh, a weekend or two before, and she had wanted me to attend uh, in person. But the the weekends didn't line up for when I was there, um, and I said, "Well, I why can't I just be piped in from my house?" Little did we know that uh, the internet connection on their side was not going to be very good. <laughs> as you mentioned, there's all kinds of breakups, and and uh, I was not heard most of the time, as I understand it. But at least I was able to participate a little bit and have that awesome coincidence happened uh, for you and me and, and to know that helped you in some small way, uh, you know, makes makes all that worth it.
1: Yeah, it was a crazy thing that happened. I was, it was, I'm very happy about it. So going to the environment. So you read the overview of this podcast. And one of the things I do is ask people at their option to to take on a personal challenge. Before I do that, I'm curious, what's your when you think environment? I mean, when you saw leadership in, leadership in the environment, what do you think of when you think of the environment?
0: Yeah, well, when I think of the environment, I think of uh, all the trash we create, and uh-huh. the landfills and and things of that nature. I think of you know how it's difficult for me to get in my car and get on the highway and not have somebody in front of me toss a cigarette butt out. The Oof! Way. Uh, just gets under my skin like you would not believe. I even uh, this has been a while, but I remember being at the grocery store, and going to my car, and a smoker. Uh, I don't mean to pick on smokers, but a smoker had apparently decided next to their car to just dump their ashtray. Right next to my car was just this big pile of cigarette butts. And I thought, who does that? Who? Yeah. I mean, that just it takes. Oh my gosh. I mean, how hard would it have been to just you know get up and go to a a nearby trash can? Uh, I mean, at least the, I guess they didn't dump them one at a time on the highway. They at least they put them all in one place, making it easier to clean up. Maybe that's what they were thinking. But yeah, I, when I think of the environment, I think of you know the landfills and and recycling and all the things that we as as a society and culture consume and and the trash.
1: And this is all different from global warming. Like a lot of people think of global warming first because of, especially with hurricanes and things, right. but trash and litter, and it's a totally separate, not totally, but a, a fairly separate issue. And I can't help but think of a couple things. One mm-hmm. is that the way you talk about it, one of the views, when I think about New York City, the first thing I think of is usually like the big cultural things like MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art, Art and Metropolitan Museum and Columbia and NYU and Lincoln Center, and things like that. But from another perspective, I think of, The island used to be covered with trees. There was wildlife all over and streams and things. And now it's covered over. And of course, when I think about it from a human perspective, from a cultural perspective, I think of all the institutions and the buildings and stuff. And we built all this and it's amazing. From another perspective, everywhere we go, with rare exception, we just pave it over and leave cigarette butts because why not? You grew up also probably seeing the, it's called the crying Indian Public service announcement. Oh, yeah. I would guess we've accelerated our pollution since then, not decelerated. No, uh, certainly. Yeah. Well, let's talk leadership then. Are you interested in taking on a personal challenge? Uh, sure, sure. So the idea is I, there's a few not rules, but guidelines that have, I've developed over through a bunch of interviews that, cause a lot of people think, what's the point of doing anything if, if the whole world doesn't change? What, what does it matter what I do? So it's not something that you have to change the whole world overnight. It, it can't be something that you're already doing. And it can't be something that you're going to get other people to do. It's something that you personally do yourself. And most people, I don't know, it's about about evenly split. Some people come on and they're like, you know, there's something I've been wanting to do. Some people are like, I have no idea what to do. Do you have anything in mind of what might be something that you'd want to do? I mean, it's generally going to be short term and it doesn't have to be big, but it does have to move the needle, you know, non-zero. You know, I hope that when you do it, you can think of it as short term, but I hope that you think about it while you're doing it as maybe considering doing it long term or permanent, but that's not required.
0: Yeah. Well, as I look around, you know, I live in a subdivision where the houses are you know, middle class neighborhood and houses are, are not like some of those middle class neighborhoods where they're practically right on top of each other. There, there's a good amount of, you know, we have like one acre lots, for example, you know, they're, they're, they're nice and spaced apart. And there's the, the various trash pickup services that come, you know, uh, on Wednesday or Friday, depending on which one you contracted, but there's no recycling pickup of any kind where I live. Now there are nearby, what's called convenient, I say nearby, they're not always that close depending on where you live, but convenience centers where recyclables can be taken. But it's it's something that a lot of us don't take the time to do because it's not convenient. And so whether it's plastic or whether it's cardboard or whether it's cans or or whatever, Rather than just putting all that in the trash and having it picked up that way, something that I would like to get better about and more consistent at is picking out those things rather than throwing them away. Putting additional trash bins in the garage or additional bins in the garage labeled, you know, plastic and cardboard, et cetera, et cetera, so that at the end of a week those can be taken up and you know driven to one of those nearby convenience centers rather than always just throwing everything in the Trash and having the waste management company pick it all up and have it all go into a dump and get piled onto everything else.
1: Okay. It sounds like something that you've been thinking about for a while.
0: Yeah. Because as, as I look around the neighborhood, I mean, this is a fairly, there's, gosh, I can't remember how many. There's, we're talking over a 100 homes in the subdivision, if not more, might be almost 200. And the subdivision has grown over the years and is probably about 20 years old now, but it's been added on to and added on to. But it really pains me that unlike, some other areas that I'm familiar with, there is isn't anything like that. And so because of that, most people just don't do it. I mean, mo- most people just put everything in the same place and it gets picked up by the, by the trash people. And so uh, I look at that too as business. I'm like, is there a business opportunity there? So <laughs> is there, you know, uh, is there something I need to do about that or, or find somebody who can come to our neighborhood and, and, and offer that as, as an option? So more people might participate in it. If it's going to be picked up and, and made convenient for you, would you be more likely? To do it
1: well I've found that leadership and entrepreneurship are very closely related that they are so how long do you think it would take for this to say you started now or soon how long do you think it would take before it would kick in and you'd have an experience that you could share with the listeners
0: well assuming that uh, that I made it a point to practice it on at least a weekly basis I, maybe maybe a month
1: I guess. Okay. I'm also thinking, I started to review some of the challenges that come up with people because a lot of people, Mm -hmm. one of the big challenges that people face, the two ones that I see most are other people, like someone decides I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. And then when they interface with others, sometimes the others put friction back. And a lot of people don't foresee that. And when it happens, they're like, they don't really know how to face it and they don't want to be all Mm -hmm. preachy, but they don't want to give up either. And now you're just doing it with your own house. I forget. I don't know if you have family.
0: A wife and three dogs, but no kids.
1: Okay, so I have a feeling there's going to be some interface there. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's supportive. Maybe she's not. I don't know. Sometimes it works out really well. For me, when I take my compost mm-hmm. to the farmer's market, I have found that people who bring their compost, are it always leads to an interesting conversation. And so I enjoy, if I'm in a hurry, I just dump it off and go away. But if there's people there, because it takes a certain type of person in New York to keep your compost. We usually put it in our freezers mm-hmm. and then we carry it like half a, half a mile to the yeah. farmer's market and drop it off there. And it's like, okay, we got something in common and we can see what we've been eating. But a lot <laughs> of times it's more like, why are you doing that? They see you doing something that they maybe feel like they wish they were doing, but they're not, or maybe uh, they feel like there's some moral thing to it. And the other big thing is challenge. The other big challenge is, is when people travel is that then everything falls apart when they're in an environment that they're not used to. That might not be as much of an issue for you.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. But yeah, I would I would love to, to, to revisit this uh, in a few weeks and report back.
1: (laughs) So I'm getting up my calendar and today is October 5th. Want to talk November 5th, which would be a Sunday or maybe that week if you prefer during the weekday.
0: How about the week of the 5th? Maybe
1: 6th through 10th, somewhere around there. It's pretty open for me and mornings work better for me.
0: Yeah, I could do Monday, Tuesday, Thursday or Friday morning.
1: How about Monday the 6th? And I think you're an hour earlier than me. Mm hmm. So if I did 10 a.m. my time, 9 a.m. your time, would that work? That would work. Great. Then after we hang up, you'll get a calendar invitation to set it up. And I want to go back to something you said earlier about the books. And there's a word that popped up that I made a note to come back to about the environment because I wonder if it's related. And the books, you ask yourself, what kind of legacy do I want to leave? That to me raised the stakes. I was like, that's pretty big. And you're not old enough to be, you know, a retiree who's like thinking about, <laughs> you know, that, think about legacy that way. I don't think about leaving a legacy yet. I mean, is that something can you tell me more about that?
0: Yeah. I just, uh, through that process, through that transition and that maturation process, I realized I recognized Joshua that I had become just a consumer of stuff, whether that was entertainment or whether that was, you know, food, you know, whatever. I mean, I just, you know, I, I didn't worry about the wake that I left and what negative or otherwise impact it might have on whoever came after me. And through that maturation process, um, my eyes were opened to that, and I wanted to be more involved in somebody who is creating than just somebody who's consuming. There's nothing wrong with consuming. I mean, I hope people consume my podcast. I hope people consume this podcast, right? I hope people consume your book, but I wasn't really a creator of anything uh, apart from just you know going to work every day and And I decided that it was time for me to begin being intentional. About that. And that's where this sort of, um, love for reading began. And that love then led, as I said, to creating the podcast and realizing that maybe my place in life is helping other people foster love for this too, and help more people, uh, you know, get their nose in more books and act as a curator at the same time, help them understand because there are a lot of great books and not a whole lot of time. Maybe I could be that person who helps people understand what to pay attention to. And so as I look at sort of legacy, I I hope that folks, when they think of me, if I were to kick the bucket, you know, tomorrow, that they would think that I was the person who maybe encouraged them to do something that they really didn't think was going to matter a whole lot, but actually did once they they followed through. I, I hope to be somebody who has maybe introduced some folks to some books they would not have otherwise found. I was interviewing somebody yesterday whose book I felt was sort of a uh, you know, Diamond in the Rough. It's been out since March and I don't think a lot of people have read it. And it was a book I really enjoyed. And I see part of my, you know, my legacy being somebody who helps others find those kinds of books, not just the famous people, not just the names everybody knows, but those lesser known names that need, you know, one extra push or one extra, you know, set of eyes on what they're doing. So I just think there are a lot of really, really smart people, people far smarter than me who, are, you know, Eighty-some-odd percent, I think, is the number of us say we have a book in us or that we'd like to write one, but about 1% of us do. I think is the, the most recent stat I read. And so I have a, a high regard for those who actually get it done, who actually get a book published out there into the into the world. Uh, if you've taken the time to do that uh, and you've put the effort in and the blood, sweat, and tears, not all. One hundred percent. But most of the time, I find that you have something that the rest of us need to hear. And and so that's that's what I want to try to do. And that's what I want to be remembered for.
1: Wow. So if I hear you right, it's bringing together books that people might not have heard of. And but that people have put their heart and soul into and mm. are valuable and getting that to other people that wouldn't have gotten it otherwise. Do you get
0: and you you know this probably? I mean, there are plenty of books that should have been far more successful than they were. You know, the, a lot of the times the ones that do get attention are, it's kind of like movies anymore. It's, you know, I sometimes wonder if, if Hollywood can put out a film that hasn't already been done a thousand times or isn't some sequel to something else. And a lot of books are just sitting on shelves collecting dust. And I think that's, that's a shame. And especially business books and leadership books and books about personal growth. I just know that books on those topics have done more for me than just about anything else I've done. Any, any amount of schooling I've had, I think. And now being on the other side of it, I just have trouble understanding why more people don't see that. Again, I was one of them at one time. Uh, thankfully, not anymore. But I, I want to I want to bring more people to the other side of that chasm.
1: It's fantastic to hear that passion, not just passion, but acting on it. And I wonder how often do you get word back from readers and, and authors to say my book got more presence than I would have otherwise? Or I read a book that I wouldn't have otherwise. I mean, I know that I, I've read comments on your podcast of people writing back and saying really amazing things. So you get a lot of that. So you get a, as much as you'd like.
0: Uh, well, there's there can always going to be more. Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, one of the things I, I started in uh, February was a, a book club, basically, um, with about sixty or seventy listeners in the book club uh, right now, and we we select a book uh, usually democratically. Initially, when I started this, I thought I would be the official book selector, but I found value in either nominating books or letting members nominate books and us voting on those uh, together to determine what books we're going to feature. Uh, and then we we spend the, a month reading those uh, individually. And, and there's a, a private Facebook group for ongoing discussion. There's a book summary that everybody gets about mid-month. And at the end of the month, we all come together uh, for about an hour and discuss the book as a group. And we use Zoom, which I know you're familiar with, that allows you to break everybody up into smaller groups in, in real time, uh, which we we benefit from. And so We might have say thirty on a live call, and and we'll break those folks up into smaller groups. And I have discussion leaders I have designated in advance who go through and ask a series of questions that I've created. And so the whole point of that is to help people go beyond just listening to a podcast about a book and learning what's in the book, or reading the book and learning what's in the book in the book, but actually putting the book's concepts into practice. And that live meeting, that that in, in a virtual meeting, is about going from uh, I guess you might say intention to implementation, and sometimes we have the the authors meet with us, and 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 so instead of having a breakout uh, session, um, we did this last month with Jay Papasan, a co-author of The One Thing, with with Gary Keller, uh, and Jay spent an hour with us fielding questions from listeners in the group on the topic uh, and concepts uh, laid out in the book, and helping each of us apply some of those concepts to our own unique situations. And so this to me goes a step beyond the podcast of just uh, bringing books to people's attention and helping them find great books to read and goes to the level of saying, OK, now here's what to do with that information. Here's some help with doing something with that information.
1: So a listener who wants to be a part of that, is this an invitation for them to request to join your group? First, it's read to lead dot com. And so everyone should go there Thanks. starting, I recommend with episode <laughs> 179. How do they what if they want to join your mastermind group or the book club?
0: Yeah. Similar domain. It's read to lead university.com and registration is actually open right now. That's not always the case, but, uh, um, the next time it opens, uh, price will go up a little bit. It's only $25 a month, so it's not, uh, too awfully expensive, but it is a bit of a time commitment. You know, it means reading a book a month and that's hard for some people. It means, uh, you know, being committed to, um, meeting about it, to be prepared to talk about it and to really want to do those things, to want to, Take these books for reading and and change your life with them. And so, if you're really serious about personal growth, personal development, then it's probably a good a good fit. But readtoleaduniversity.com is the, is the website.
1: Okay, great. And I can't help but think I'm gonna next time when we speak after you've done the personal challenge, I'm gonna revisit some of what you said about the legacy that you talked about with the books and how you made it active and how you you were helping others and getting people to pay attention to things that they wouldn't have otherwise. I'm I'm curious if Something like that will happen with the recycling. It sounds like there's a real pain that you're feeling. That's. Mm. I hope that this will help relieve. And I bet a I lot would. of people have that. I mean, I sure do. I would like that. All right. Anything I didn't think to ask before wrapping up? No, no. I think you were very thorough. I
0: I appreciated the the questions, as is unlike any interview I've ever participated in. And it was it was refreshing.
1: Yeah, I tried to get people to share what they care about, and then. Mm. Part of that being presumably something environmental. (laughs) And uh, so I'll talk to you in about a month. Okay. And I look forward to hearing how things go. Well,
0: thank you, Joshua. Uh, It was my pleasure. Again, thanks for for asking. And and I appreciate you coming on my show as as well. Talk
1: to you in about a month. Good luck.
0: All right, Joshua. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
1: I love hearing about projects like his. I hope people take advantage of his reading group because you could hear the passion that he has for the books and that he shares. And that's what leadership is about. It's about creating meaning, bringing out meaning and passion that people already have. And that's why I know that when he takes on this challenge for leading his community with recycling, as I'm recording this now, I've already heard the later conversations and he takes on a big leadership role and it goes, well, I'll let you listen to the later episodes. You'll like what you hear. I'm also very gratified about his comments on my book. Leadership step-by-step, over 95% five-star reviews on Amazon, available anytime, little plug, and books in general. He, that passion is tremendous. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and Living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.